Good morning. We are here at the Top of the Hill podcast and we have a special treat on our very first episode with a guest. And uh, yeah, I, I brought out a heavy hitter. We are here with the one and only Nicole Kazi. If you know anything about Bay Area real estate, you, you will know her name for sure. Uh, she also happens to be co-founder here at Everhome Real Estate. Uh, she has been at the highest level of real estate production since 2011 with the uh, Bay East Association, uh, Association of Realtors Pinnacle Award, which, you know, it just she's just up in this high club here. You know, so we're very, very happy to have Yikes. you here, Nicole. My goodness. I know. Like, I wanted to, <laughs> You're I, making me nervous. <laughs> I wanted to give you like a really good introduction because you deserve it. You deserve it. I mean, gosh, thank you. <laughs> and what about the song? This is like a 90s Kevin song. Kevin Campbell. He was my guy. I have his album. I was such a 90s like R&B person. Yeah. R&B was like, an alternative too. I guess I like, you know, but yeah, as soon as I was like, this is such a brilliant opener like, yeah can, we, can talk? we talk of course we can there you go oh my gosh nicole you're so good at this i can tell we're gonna have a, a good conversation nice already selection. just thank you thank you so nicole to jump in right in because we want to make sure people are engaged I, I wanted to you know discuss a few things with you so we're gonna jump right into the interview okay it's a safe place uh, you're super comfortable <laughs> yeah i mean I, you know there's people that are nervous you seem super super comfortable okay. on the mic <laughs> So let's see. All right. So just yesterday, I think it was yesterday we were talking about, or no, the day before yesterday, the life chances or how did we word it? Yeah, Happy accidents. Happy accidents. Yes. So, so going to that theme of happy accidents, yeah. you know, you share with me how you got into the real estate industry. And I said, don't tell me right now the whole thing. I, even though you've already shared it with me, but sure. you were, I said, just wait for the podcast. I want you yeah. to share this with everybody so we can get the, you know, get it on uh, record okay. here. So share with me a little bit, uh, you know, with all of us, you know, how you got into the game. Like totally accidental. Yes. <laughs> so I, yeah, I mean, a series of happy accidents. It's like I feel like I need to read, you know, change the brand name is my component to like happy accident realty because it's just been <laughs> that's how it's worked out. But like quite literally, um, I never had ambitions to be an agent as a kid or like even, you know, in my teens or high school or not even college, like college. I went to college cause I thought I was going to get a nursing degree. Okay. And then, um, while I was in college, the, uh, nursing program, I went to Cal state Hayward, it was impacted. So what that meant is like, once you get your general education requirements out of the way, an impacted program, there was like a wait list. So I had to do basically nothing for 18 months until there was room for me in the nursing program. Okay. And then at just that point, I'm like, well, what the heck am I going to do for 18 months? And so I pivoted and I was like, well, I'll just get a business degree. <laughs> okay. Because okay. Cal State, or it's Cal State East Bay now, but at the time in Cal State Hayward, like nursing and business, those were their like cornerstones. And okay. so I just felt like, I mean, I guess I wasn't that passionate about nursing. I, you know, bailed, but, um, so I decided I'm just going to get a, a business degree because that'll get me out faster and then, you know, into the real world. And so while I was in college, I took a position um, at Clinique Cosmetics, like at the makeup counter in Macy's. Oh, at New and Park? So I did work at New Park at okay. one point. Okay. Um, the, by the time I like stumbled upon my happy accident into real estate, I was working the Bloomingdale's account at the Stanford Shopping Center. Oh, so, okay. So you, you, you leveled up. I was actually at Macy's at New Park. So I, meant, I was in the women's shoe department. We maybe were there at the same How time. How funny. How yeah. Crazy. What years were you there? Um, I mean, it 
I graduated in 95, so okay. it was like this probably like 96 to like 98. Oh, I think we just missed each other then because okay. I worked there, I think, summer of 99 until like I can't remember exactly when I stayed till New Park. I want to say maybe till like 2001 or something, but okay. then after that, I got um. I switched from being a Macy's employee to actually being a Clinique employee. And okay. then Clinique would just deploy me wherever they needed me for their events. So I would Much go higher to, pay, too. Much higher pay. Yeah. Oh, it was. It was. <laughs> oh, my God. At the time, like, gosh, it just felt like such a win. But, yeah, I would go from, like, Macy's to, you know, Bloomingdale's to Nordstrom's to, you know, Pleasanton to Stanford to Valley Fair, like, wherever they needed me. So. Okay. Um, at the time, um, I graduated, I was working at the Bloomingdale's Clinique account at the Stanford, uh, shopping center. And then, um, we were doing inventory. And so inventory is like the worst thing in retail. You have to basically be at work overnight counting and scanning product to just Mm. like double check inventory levels. And so it was weird hours. It's like, I want to say I had to work from like 2 AM to like you know, like lunchtime. Yeah. Yeah. Cause what I remember is I got off of work at lunchtime that day and I was driving home from Stanford and I stopped at the gas station, um, across the street from Safeway and warm Springs to get gas. And so as I'm getting gas across the, like on the other side of the gas pump from me, it turns out to be like one of my best friends in high school. It's his mom and her name is Helga Proudfoot. So for anybody who's been in real estate for in Fremont for like you know, a decent amount of time, they're going to know Helga. Like she's just such a big, like personality, like super fun and like no filter. And she was a total top, you know, producing agent at the time as well. And, um, so she was the mom of like one of my best friends in, in high school. And so this is, I'm bumping into her, not seeing her for four years because I hadn't seen her since I graduated. And, um, you know, so we just start talking and she's like, well, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I just got off of work. I'm just, you know, getting gas. I'm going to go home and go to bed. I've been up all night counting inventory. <laughs> and she's like, no, like, come have lunch with me. And like, if you know Helga, like she's not asking, like she's telling. So yeah. you're like, come have lunch. Like, it's not an invitation. It's a like kind of a demand. And so, but I mean, I hadn't seen her and I'm like just super excited. So I'm like, of course, I'm, why tired. not? You're tired. I'm assuming you're I know. super tired. <laughs> I am. But like, you know, you just never know where things will take you and this is kind of like my happy accident so you know I go to lunch with her and um this is approximately spring of 2004 and so real estate at the time was like on fire multiple offers overbidding a growing market and so she's describing to me like how her work is going and I'm like this just sounds so fascinating like um you know how uh, I want to learn more. How can I get into this? Like, what what do I have to do? Like, I have a business degree. I'm working in business, but it's not really exciting. <laughs> but like the way she was just making real estate sound, like there was a lot of intrigue. And so I asked if I could help her. Like, I was just going to volunteer, you know, just for free. Um, but then she mentioned, she's like, well, I don't exactly need help. Like, you know, like I'm busy, but like I can manage it. But my friend, my friend needs She's actively looking for another assistant. She already has a full-time assistant, but her business is just, you know, incredible. Like, she needs help. Let me introduce you. And so then um, she introduces me to her friend, who's Debbie Rosetto at Remax at the time. Yeah. And, like, (laughs) Debbie is just, like crazy producer i mean she was selling 80 homes a year like way back when with you know really when you think about it like not a lot of technology like email was kind of the new thing in 
you know, 2004, like yeah. we were still yeah. using fax machines and, yeah. you know, like, yeah. so I just think, wow, to do 80 a year with the tools that were available then, oh, yeah. like, you know, push that Routing forward houses, now. mapping, literally walking around with a map. No, I know. Yeah. Using the, what is it? The Thomas, yeah, Thomas guide? guide. Okay. Yeah. And like, <laughs> exactly. And so yeah. that's so funny. Like, yeah, there was no Google maps or anything like that. You were using like the Thomas guide to find your, um, your appointments. And so anyway, so Helga tells me like, you know, call Debbie. And so she gives me, and this is where I get a little confused because I don't remember, I think she maybe gave a warm introduction, but then for whatever reason, I just remember I had to call Debbie to set up like the meeting. And I was super nervous about it. Like, I really am just such an introvert, and especially for people I don't know. And, like, it was like an opportunity. And I Which was is excited. hard for anybody listening to this to believe. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so true. But um, so I was just really nervous. So then on Debbie's business card, she had, like, an office phone number, a cell phone number, and then there was, like, a it wasn't labeled as a home number, but she had, like, three different numbers or four different numbers on the card. And so... I figured, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to call at like the office at like 10 p.m. on a Sunday because I know she won't, like, who, no one's going to be in their office at 10 p.m. on a Sunday because I just want to leave a voicemail. Yeah. I was like scared to death of talking to her, oh but like. We have so much in common. All hands <laughs> off. We want to do it, but just kind of hands off. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like I wanted to put the ball in her court, but yeah. then I wanted her to like call me back at her convenience whenever it's good for her. And so then I'm like dialing and I call her number and it's like 10 p.m. on a Sunday and it like rings twice. This is Debbie. May I help you? And I'm like, uh, you're like, oh, crap. And then, yeah, I just felt so inappropriate. Like who calls? But I mean, in, in my defense, I thought I was calling her office. And so I'm like, well, if you're at your office at 10 p.m. on a Sunday, like, yeah. I guess you answer your Little phone. did you know you could have called at 3 a.m. and <laughs> I, it probably would have had the same result. <laughs> probably. So, yeah, I just call and I just let her know, like, hey, you know, I, I know Helga. Um, she mentioned you need an assistant. I'm interested. Like, when can we meet? And so then I call her on the Sunday. I interviewed with her on, like, Tuesday. And then, like, Wednesday she was like, okay, when can you start? And then, like, I started, like, or actually maybe she even let me know same day. And I think I started on, like, Wednesday. Like, wow. I just, like, jumped right in. Wow. And only my business degree, not knowing anything, but... um you know, getting to be in her office and just see, like, learn by osmosis. Yeah. Like, you know, how do you sell 80 homes a year and just get that lesson and really get paid for it? I mean, I was assistant. I was earning a paycheck. Yeah. And it's like, in hindsight, like, man, I would have paid her for that opportunity, you yeah, know? Which is something that, I mean, imagine, touch on that. Like, anybody listening to this that wants a shortcut, that wants the best way to get yeah. into real estate, there you go. Mentorship. Yeah. Wherever you can find someone who will give you a chance to like just learn from being in their office. And even if it's unpaid, you know, find a way to like figure that your finances out while you learn because it'll pay off in spades. But I, I really always talk about my, my career being, you know, the result of a happy accident because if I didn't get gas that day. Never would have bumped into Helga. I would we'd never be, call we'd her. We'd be looking at, you know, Nurse, know. nurse Kazi. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I need a Band-Aid over Seriously. here, please. <laughs> Seriously. Wow. And that's the thing. Like, you always just think, like, it, it always boggles my mind. As as vast as the world is, like, it's really so small. And just, you know, all these things had to line up, like, bumping into an old friend at that exact time. Like, if I had left my shift 10 minutes earlier, 10 yeah. minutes later, like just never would have worked out. And, and if I hadn't, I had no idea about real estate. I had no ambition to get into real estate. I 
um, was not on my radar at all until I had lunch. And she was just describing the dynamics of like how it works and like how exciting it is. And, you know, all the offers and people are paying more and just yeah. like it sounded fun. And, and so, you started as her assistant. As Debbie's assistant. And then you you told me you mentioned, I think you told me before you were her TC or is that all kind of all yeah, inclusive? Uh, so, yeah, it was kind of all inclusive. So um, when I first started, she already had a full time assistant. So I was brought on as a second assistant, and I was only Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I started three days a week, and um, yep, I was mostly just like filling in wherever there was holes that needed to be plugged. So it's like I, I think technically I was the assistant to the assistant. Assistant, like, assistant. Okay. <laughs> so Debbie would delegate to her assistant, and then her assistant would be like, "Okay, Nicole, do you know A, B, C, D, whatever." And gotcha. so I just did that, and then. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, it, I picked it up quickly. It was really like admin paperwork. It was scheduling. It was um, not anything that I would say really required a ton of like training. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah, in the beginning, all the forms looked the same. Like I had to learn the difference. What's the difference between a TDS and a, we didn't even have SPQ back then though. We had like FLD or, you know, whatever yeah. the forms were. And yeah. so then I was like learning and the difference between like, what does the termite report look like versus what does a roof report look like? And so really, really green, like starting from scratch. But I just, um, my whole life, I've always really valued like efficiency. Mm -hmm. And so I would just love to figure out like shortcuts and efficiencies and like redundant steps and eliminate them. And like, how could I just like, you know, that's a pro tip. That's a amazing. That's that's a highlight item right there because that's a, I don't think a lot of people necessarily think that way. But it's yeah. something that people don't don't naturally think that way. Like myself, yeah. I, I I like hearing that because oh, that makes sense. And there's a lot of things that I want us to take away from like in an interview with someone like yourself. It's like pick up on these nuggets. Yeah. So fish, that's how you think. You just naturally that's how think. I think. I mean, I always naturally when I look at something, I always think it can be done better faster cheaper like okay. it's my like personal challenge yeah. like i just you know and it's just the way i'm wired i wow. just you know always have kind of thought that way that's so, that's awesome yeah so it it turned out where um i ended up you know i started part-time and then um fairly quickly i think then like i got to be full-time mm -hmm. and then debbie's primary assistant um i think she had to leave for either it was like health reasons or like family reasons but she kind of took a leave for a little bit and so then it was just me and then I don't recall if she came back or not. I think she might have. But essentially at that point, like, I knew pretty quickly just in the assisting, the, even the part-time assisting role, like, this is fun. And it's, you know, this is what I want to do. So I started with her in May 2004. Okay. And then I got my license by November 2004. Okay. And Now, the tra from the time you got the 2004 license in November, late in the year, when... Was there ever a full transition to to say you know I'm leaving Debbie like oh I mean obviously there was but yeah was it like I'm oh, gonna no, do real still, estate we while we still work I'm... together no 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 <laughs> <laughs> but I mean meaning like yeah. meaning like was it pretty quickly that you decided to go on your own or mm. how long were you under her wing yeah no actually so I I officially like left her payroll I guess I'd say mm -hmm. uh, a long time later um it was probably August September 2007 like literally I was wrapping up my last emails for her as like my contractions were starting with my first son and like I remember typing an email to an, a cooperating assistant we were working with on the other side and I'm like I'm gonna have to go to the hospital in a minute so if you could just take it from here and like I just remember emailing that but that was like really the natural um 
because I took some time off, you know, to when I, when my son was born in September 2007. So that was a catalyst. It wasn't necessarily that I'm going on my own. Maybe Nicole Kazi. No. So actually, so I really like from the time I got my license in November 2004, um, it was a really slow, I think, shift from. I regarded myself just as a licensed assistant. I didn't regard myself as an agent. So okay. the license just unlocked more duties for me. So I was able, you know, like as a yeah, show as a, home, yeah, show homes, host open houses and talk price and like talk terms mm-hmm. and like, um, exactly. So I, I didn't have that mindset shift of like, oh, I'm actually an agent until, I mean, probably 2000 and eight I guess because like I did sell homes in 2005 six and seven so you also you were getting clients here and there uh, here and there yeah so I would host Debbie's open houses so um if I picked up buyer leads those were uh I was allowed to keep those leads and she was fine with it even Uh though you were her sister she didn't say like no 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 no. so the our the arrangement was is like she was a really heavy farmer and Mm. so all the open houses were in her farms so Mm. if there were seller leads those got passed right back to her but if there were buyer leads they were mine so so um, apple didn't fall far from the tree yeah. There you go. Now we're seeing the roots of who, because uh, we're going to talk about other things regarding, you know, the way you do business. Yeah. But see, now you're getting into the the root of how Nicole became a farming agent. Yeah. So, no, okay. Uh, oh, okay. It, okay. that was, uh, it was funny because um, I don't know if you remember at the time, and I think it was like those mid 2000s, but those those bracelets were super popular. The like wwj oh yeah daisy what would like jesus what would do? jesus do uh-huh. so like literally if debbie was not in the office or if i was stuck or like if i just really like my literal thing was like what i would debbie do? yeah what would <laughs> debbie do like that was my internal mantra and okay. so and that's actually even till today like it huh. is really i so respected the way she ran her business like she had integrity above anything else and um she just was like such strong conviction of like doing the right thing yeah. always. Yeah. And it just really rubbed off on me. And so that was always my mantra. I was like, well, if I was stuck or I just didn't know what to do, as soon as I was like, well, what would Debbie do? Like the answer mm. became so clear to me because it was just like, there's no gray area. It's yes. black or white. It's right or wrong. I think that's and, why we get along so fabulously because yeah. I feel like I, I believe the same exact thing. I think yeah. if you do the right thing, it'll work out in your favor over the long term. Yeah, you yep. might get a hit here and there, but overall the wins are just by far. Oh, yeah. You know, and you're doing but, it the right way. Whereas I feel like a lot of people think that they can take this shortcut. No, I and, know. And I'm not a shortcut type of person. Hey, and I pride myself on efficiencies and yeah. shortcuts and yeah. Whatever, and Which I would really just weird. never, you know, yeah. that's just a path like that. It, to me, it's like forbidden. You know, like yeah. once you go down down that path, you've just set a precedent that it. I think it only goes worse from there. So love it, love it. So okay, great. So now we have Nicole's story. Now we're gonna keep going with some more questions. Um, help us understand, like, because uh, I, because I, I, I mean, the the whole thing about this podcast is not only to record. You know, you know, someone is. As, as I think is influential as you in our market. But at the same time, I also want to share with our, our agents here at Everhome or anybody listening that wants to get into this game, how, you know, how to be more efficient, uh, all these different things that I think you can help us with. Um, so I'm going to ask questions yeah. before I try to explain them. Sure. So one is help us understand year over year the progression from new agent to active agent to top producing agent. What, you know, what, what does that ramp look like? How does that ramp up? Mm-hmm. And how, how was that in your experience? I, I think for me, actually, I t- took the long road. Like, I feel like... Me too. I feel the same way. 
<laughs> that's okay. Slow and steady yeah. wins the race, yeah. right? Because really, I got my license in 04, but I really don't think I like cracked the like code, I guess, until ironically like 2009 2010 which was like a down market. by the way but, five years is very fast i don't know if anyone listening no. to get to to go to your level you think it's slow well, no five no, no. Years but i really mean good. i wasn't at this level but i would say like i treaded water forever so like okay. i I'm, my first sale was january 2005 2005 six seven and eight i did like six or eight sales each of those years so i just really like treaded water like okay. one sale every other month so okay. it, really nothing i mean know, it was a really busy time so i get where your perspective is because yeah. it, it was a really crazy time in yeah the should have done way more um but then um i don't know if it was the motivation of like not having that paycheck safety net anymore of being debbie's assistant but mm-hmm. actually you know because as of september 2007 like i was on my own and um debbie and i still shared an office so she was still a mentor like i still sat in the same room with her and like still had all that benefit of like learning Huge. but um i just didn't receive a paycheck from her anymore and so then i think maybe like that little bit of like pressure motivation and then um and was she happy for you like was she like a proud mom oh, yeah yeah she kind was of thing? yeah totally okay. like okay. she celebrated all the successes like whenever That's i cool. was it says struggling. a lot about her yeah it says a lot about no her. i just i think so much of that lady like she yeah. is just my all-time favorite and just um I, um, so 2009 was the year that I finally jumped to 30 sales mm-hmm. instead of the six or eight, which is huge. Yeah. I mean, and you're young. I mean, my gosh, we're, we're looking 2000 yeah. that look how young you were at the time to, to do what you just described. So yeah, 2009, I would have been 28. And, yeah. Um, I think what the, so I, what the shift was that year was like bank owned and foreclosures. And so okay. there was, you know, a lot of, um, these agents were getting these accounts like assigned to them. Mm-hmm. And if you just got a REO account, like, yes. man, you hit the jackpot. Yes. They were just like handing out listings. And then you got one? And a, a mini one, a, okay. a mini one. But I'm like, hey, I'm not going to complain. And actually, I mean, at the end of the day, I look back at that year and I was like, what the heck was I doing? <laughs> but, you know, I, it, it, it paid itself forward somehow so um i was pregnant at the time my daughter was born november 2008 but the the tiny little reo account that i landed i don't even recall the bank's name but they had very small mortgages in hayward concord pittsburgh and antioch okay and so i was driving my pregnant self to like hayward concord antioch and pittsburgh to do like occupancy keys. checks, cash for keys, um, getting bids for clean outs. Yeah. And then like the commission was like one and a half percent or something. Uh, and you owed them a 25% referral fee. And so then it was like, and these, you know, and the, the price points the are very was, low. Yeah. It was like $250,000 home. Sure. It, I'd get like a condo and the condo would be like $80,000. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so it was just a lot of work just for the experience. I mean, there was really not money. Like me, I mean, yeah, I sold 30 homes that year, but I don't, it wasn't like crazy money. Not crazy. You probably make that in a month. (laughs) Let's just put it it out there. (laughs) Oh man. But I just think like the experience, you know, it's like, I was willing to put in the work. I wanted to stay busy. Like I just, you know, um, and then in tandem, again, happy accident, like just the, um, theme of my career, at some point, I was cold called by this uh, guy who um, he introduced himself and he wanted me to take over like buyer leads. But I was like, no, I don't want to pay for buyer leads. And um, and he's like, no, no, no. Like I, I, And so I was like trying to get off the phone because it's like I, yeah. I'm terrible at trying to hang up on, you know, salespeople. Yeah, cause yeah. I feel bad. Uh, so I want to hear them out. But then me I'm like, too. I'm not buying. But like, I don't want to just hang up on you. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I was trying to get off the phone, but then he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, I think you're misunderstanding. He's like, I'm not, um, I'm not charging you for these leads. He's like, I want to give you these buyer leads and then you're just pay us a referral fee if you close it. So like yeah. you owe nothing unless you That's close. really early on in that concept because that didn't really pop up until much later yeah. on a big so, scale. So this was 2009 and the company was called First in Elm. Mm -hmm. And then his whole philosophy was like every town in America has either a First Street or an Elm Street. And so he's like, if I call it First in Elm, it's like it intersects somewhere. And oh, so, And I try to think, I was like, I think he's kind of right. I mean, there's yeah. always a First Street or an Elm Street. So I started getting a bunch of buyer leads from him and, um, and they were solid. Like they, you know, were writing offers and it was all that down market time. So even though it was a down market, it's like inventory was always a, a shortage still, mm -hmm. but, um, the prices were going down, but they were getting multiple offers. So it's almost like this game of chicken, like mm -hmm. how far under asking can you go, but still win the contract. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, I, you know, had some good buyers and then again, I just had to pay out the 25% referral fee, but I was fine with that. Yeah. Um, a golden nugget again, network. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is answer the phone. Like, answer you know, he called me and I didn't want to hear him out. I was trying to get off the phone and like, just thankful to him that he's like, no, no, like you're misunderstanding. Like, let me, <laughs> so hold on. I'm trying to make you Money. Yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> you know, like, I, imagine if you had hung up. A I lot know. of people out there would have hung up. I know. Because actually, I, know. I, I hang up a lot of times. As soon as I get a call that sounds like that. Yep. So, and I honestly, I, I for a long time, I hated hanging up for the same reason you mentioned. Yeah. But sometimes they hang up on me. I'm like, and I try to be polite. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Look, I, I'm in. And then click, click. I'm I know. Okay, well, like, what all the right. heck? So you kind of get jaded. Sometimes yeah. you catch me on a good day and I'll listen. Yeah. But some most of the time I've been hanging up lately. Yeah. But now I'm like, okay, maybe Nicole didn't hang up. No. And so again, a happy accident because that first in Elm, like if I look back on it now, I want to say over the course of like from 2009 to 2012, which was like really heavy buyer years, mm -hmm. um, I probably closed 30 homes for them over those like three or four years. So that wow. was like tens of thousands of dollars That's in commissions great, yeah. that it was just like a win-win like they would pass me they would pre-screen the client before they send it to you so they would kind of like get rid of all the you know tire kickers and the yeah. duds and then by the time i got them they were pretty motivated leads fantastic and then just um another happy accident happened where i stumbled upon like a really good friendship with a agent who had a one of the big reo accounts and so he had one of the like you know tri-city hayward accounts where all my buyers were and he was getting frustrated at the time because, like, you would put this REO property on the market, he would, and then he would get, like, 20 or 30 offers in, and he has to, like, actually type up and upload each one into the system. Uh. And it was just super cumbersome and super, like, wasting time. And then, like, the counteroffers back then were, like, oh, come up by, like, $5,000 or, yeah. you know, because the prices were low. Yeah. And um, he just hated the monotony of all that like uploading. And so one of his banks that he had REO accounts with, they wanted him to do open houses, but he didn't, you know, he was busy. So he was like, Nicole, you want the open houses? And I'm like, sure, I'll take the open houses. So I took the open houses. And so then I was getting buyer leads from that. And then I was also getting um, the buyer leads from First and Elm. And so what we really found out quickly is like, look, this can be win-win. <laughs> like, whatever properties you have coming down the pipeline, I know I probably have a buyer for it. Yeah. Like, let's just bypass all the like time wasting yeah. stuff. And so he would give me the addresses and he'd be like, okay, the bank is asking this amount. If you can bring me an offer, like at, you know, this, like a, a slightly higher amount, like the asset managers, they'll, the, they'll take it, you yeah, know? And yeah. so then 
I just started working with him. So every lead I was getting from First and Elm, I'd, you know, refer to my list from him and be like, what matches do I have to make? And we would just make matches like all day. And oh so God. I feel like, again, it was like happy accident. Because if I didn't connect with him, um, there was no reason why he, I mean, I'm sure there were tons of other agents just like me that had so many clients that were getting frustrated, like yeah. getting outbid, but yeah. he just extended to me that like kindness, but it helped him too. Cause it saved him like hours on all that unnecessary uploading work. So, wow. And so now you're getting that. Mm-hmm. Where do you now? Cause now we have you as an active agent. Yeah. Last step is like, I, you know, you're a top producer. There's no other way to put it. Where, how, what do you think was the catalyst that brought you over the top to that next level? Farming. 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 Yep. Um, I don't know if it's a Debbie-ism. It maybe is, but it's definitely somebody. But if you want longevity in real estate, you got to list to last. And that just always stuck with me. List to last. List to I last. Like that. List to last. The listing agents control the market. And, and even in the down markets, too, you know, like if um, the listing side is just so efficient because you can control the listing side from your desk or from yep. your office. You, yep. Of course, you have to go to the properties, you know, to do like maintenance and check-ins and, you know, whatever the case may be. But like you're not like on the buyer side, you know, like you can spend a day putting like 200 miles on your car and it doesn't result in anything (laughs) sometimes. Absolutely. And so the listing side is just the efficient side. And Mm -hmm. like, I value efficiency. And so, um, I started the farm in approximately 2008. Um, again, Debbie was telling me that, um, Think of your farming budget as the mortgage of your business. You would never miss a payment on the mortgage of your home. Why would you ever consider missing a payment on the mortgage of your business? I'm going to charge for this podcast because you guys are getting gold. (laughs) Gold right here. This is gold. Solid gold. This is officially a paper paper listen. (laughs) So, um... So that just stuck with me as well. I mean, I think really when I got in real estate, like Debbie was like my second mom. Like actually she's the same age as my my mom and Debbie are like eight months apart from each other. So they're the same age. And so like she is like my real estate mom. And so (laughs) whenever like she would tell me what to do, I would just do it. You know, like I don't question or talk back or anything. So um, when she really phrased it to me that way, it just really made sense to me. And so I invested in farming. And so like, so yeah, new agent, the leads were just like open house leads or like any anything that maybe Debbie, you know, passed along. Um, active agent was like seeking those opportunities in networking, unexpected. Yeah. Networking really in unexpected places. So mm-hmm. it was like, you know, getting those, that first in Elm account and matching it with REO, you yep. know, buyers. And then what really, you know, I would say like took it to the, the like higher production level was just supplementing all of those efforts with farming and farming has, you know, hands down been the most lucrative part of my, you know, real estate, uh, like advertising investing so far. Yeah. And well, and my next question was, was actually, what would you consider your bread and butter, the cornerstone of your business? So I would definitely say we've, we just established that it's farming. So I'll change it, the question a little bit as far as like, because people farm and they're not as successful as you. I have another answer for that, yeah, though. Like, would it be attitude? Would it be approach? Would it be mentality? What, yeah. Well, I, it's, it's responsiveness. Like, okay. answer your phone. Answer Respond your phone. to emails. And, like, even though, like, you just never know who's on the other end of the call. Um, Treat people right? Yeah, exactly. So it's just, you know, treat others as a golden rule as yeah. you want to be treated. Yeah. Um, but really, it's just answering the phone and being, like, accessible. Yeah. Like, 
you know, in, in our market right now, if you don't answer the phone, like they don't leave messages. They just no. move on to the next, the next who person. will answer the phone. Yep. So just be as accessible as possible. Which is the pro and the con of our, I mean, which is, a con, I think, a con in our business. It can be. It can because, I mean, there's limits, and I haven't gotten there. I answer my phone at th- 2 in the morning if I'm awake. Uh, but, I mean, but it is. Yeah. That's, that's the rule. I mean, mm-hmm. you kind of have to answer your phone. You do. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> minimum. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking like minimums. And then also, I've been told multiple times, uh, and I take it as a compliment, but it's funny. I feel maybe it's like a backhanded compliment. <laughs> but I've been told, like, multiple multiple times i've been hired because of my temperament and i'm like temperament like isn't that how they judge dogs at like the you know kennel club show or whatever like the i'm like temperament really but then it's a compliment because what they mean by that is that like real estate has a hundred moving parts i mean Mm -hmm. one component can go sideways and then just you know throws the whole thing off the rails and so i just feel that like I started off with such an encyclopedia of knowledge, mm-hmm. getting to just sit in my, you know, Debbie's office for those yeah. first three years yeah. that uh, I felt more seasoned than I really was because mm-hmm. I'd already seen it all before. Yeah. Um, and so I think that when I meet with clients, I just really have like a calm a confidence effect. that don't worry because yeah. like. I'm efficiency is my thing. So I'm going to be very proactive and I'm going to map out, you know, how do we start from our meeting today to Mm -hmm. how do I, you know, hand you your proceeds on closing day? Yeah. What is any potential like red flag or speed bump or roadblock that we might encounter? I'm going to clear it out of the way before we even, you know, embark on this path. Yeah. And I just, I'm unflappable. Like even when things go wrong, there's no point like reacting to it in an emotional way because it's not a solution. So sure. it's like Do you think solution based? Solution yeah. all the time. No Everything drama. Has There's a no fit. need for that. No drama. I, I hear you know I, I see some agents that react certain ways like yelling or like getting super hyped up about something yeah. and I'm like that is not going to solve this issue. Like you can drop names, you could tell me how long like my biggest pet peeve. Yeah. I've been in this business 300 years, you know. <laughs> I don't really you. care. Okay, that doesn't really solve what we're talking about. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that that's a That's really such a good point. point. And yeah. and I actually think too like for younger agents, like I felt penalized in the beginning because you know, I was like 23 to 28 when I was mm-hmm. kind of in like that growth, initial growth mode, and I would go up against agents where I knew that they retired. They're first career to enter real estate as their second career. So they looked seasoned and they looked the part, but like they were asking me for advice, you know, behind the scenes and I would go on appointments and they would see me and they would like discriminate. Like, are you qualified to sell my home? Like, do you know what you're doing? Like little kid is (laughs) how I really felt. But once I could like communicate my experience and like walk them through the process, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I mean, I've been blessed with the best clientele. Like, well, well, I think so. You know, I I say the same thing. I'm blessed with the best clientele, but if you really think about it, do you think there's a, I don't think it's a coincidence that when you're new and you're talking to clients and it seems like it's just a lot more challenging. It all has to do with the mistrust that they may have because they're like, does this person know what they're talking about? Right. Should I just freely let go and trust? Such whereas, an expensive asset. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now I feel like my clients are just like, here's the key. 
everything goes smoothly. It's not magic. It's just that yeah. they trust you or, you know, they've researched enough about you right. to get to that point where they can just feel like they can let go. Yes. Whereas in the beginning, maybe they hired you or they somebody hired somebody that they don't really fully trust. So they're right. always like on edge. Right. I feel like I'm like, well, all my clients are really great and easy and nice. I'm like, yeah, well, there's. Well, and I think, too, because like, you can encounter agents like in an open house scenario. Like I had a client one time that, um, you know, was really, really concerned that I was going to be at the open house. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and so, you know, sure, like I committed that, yes, I would be, even though my presence isn't necessarily like required. If there's yeah. like a qualified, you know, prepared agent hosting, yeah. it doesn't have to be me. Yeah. But she had just mentioned that the weekend before she went to see other open houses and she was just like horrified by the non-listing agents that were representing properties and she was like i do not want my house to be represented this way way. and so i think you know clients only know what they maybe like the stereotypes and like what they've experienced maybe firsthand with like past agents or open houses or whatnot but um that's the funny thing about real estate it's like a kind of low barrier to entry so it relatively, you know, easy to get a license, but really, really hard to like build a, you know, consistent like trust based business. And yeah, so. well, no, that's a, that's a great, great answer. On on that note, I'm gonna I'm gonna I want to lighten it up, and I want you to share with me if you have a story about either your most frustrating or like just pissed you off experience in real estate, like something that was just so off, off that you're just like that you recall it. Oh man, I mean, I'm sure there is. And um I I guess just like recency bias, like I'm and there must be, but um like recently, you know, I had a sale that we got a cancellation the business day before closing on a property. And the buyer cited the reason as being um, a perceived decline in market value. So, like, when they wrote their offer 30 days ago, they thought that their offer price was a justifiable price. But then flash forward four weeks, and they're seeing some price reductions. They're seeing some houses linger on the market. So they decided the business day before closing, they no longer wanted to buy the house. And that was a shocker for me. Like, I cannot recall ever seeing something like that. But, um, again, like, I just... You know, you deal with what you have, like what's in front of you. And so it's just no need to get emotional, no need to like yell or scream, but yeah. just think it through. Like, what are the options here? And then yeah. like, what's the best path forward? And so uh, certainly I told my clients to go get legal advice and then they, you know, found a qualified real estate attorney. Um, the attorney wrote like this awesome letter <laughs> and we closed yesterday. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> I know you were telling me about that so, story. So it closed. It closed. Yeah. So it, you the know, power of a good attorney, the power of a good attorney. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I've had just funny things happen, like inconveniences, but I can't think of just like a shocking thing. Like um, less than, That's you know, pretty shocking. The $300,000 request for, Day before closing. Yeah, reduce the price by $350,000 or we're not going to buy. And then they actually, they did submit us a signed cancellation that requested their full deposit back. And we were just like, we busted up laughing. We're like, what? Like, La La Land are you in? (laughs) But um, I did have, and this one was my fault, but this is just a funny story. Like, when I was in the thick of the, um, the, like, down 2009 like the you know it's a down market but I had buyers and um this was actually a set of my first in elm buyers that I got referred 
I brought my daughter with me. Uh, actually, no. So this would have been 2011 because my daughter was a toddler. She was two. And so I just like made it work. And th- these, cli- I mean, I wouldn't always bring my daughter with me. Like you have to know your client to know, like, is it appropriate to, you know, bring your kid or not? And, and with these clients, like they loved her. So I brought her along and um, I don't know what I was thinking, but I just like we were chatting and she was like wanting to play with stuff. And I didn't I wasn't the most prepared, didn't bring toys or anything. So I just like gave her the keys because I was like, oh, like jingle, jingle, like they make some noise, whatever. I'm like, she's just need a minute. And so then we're just chatting. And then we hear this little toddler like, "Uh oh, and then like, (laughs) we're like, what? (laughs) We looked and she (laughs) dropped the keys down the, um, you know, in a laundry room, there's like the washer, like waste pipe that goes behind the walls in that little hole. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, my God, no. <laughs> um, and then we just, like, after the shock, like, yeah, we were just, like, giggling and, like, just You're dying like, of laughter. Uh, but that was, like, the most embarrassing phone call I ever had to make. Like, I called the agent just to say, like, because um, he had a super lockbox but also a combo. And I was like, your uh, super keys it? are down the drain. Like, do you want me to put your combo keys in? The- <laughs> Did they make you pay for it? or? No, actually, cool. not that I require it. But yeah, but then I was like, Nicole, what are you doing? Why are you giving a two-year-old, like, keys to the house? Like, it happens. My lesson happens. learned. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, do you recall when, when you feel, at, at what point do you feel like, oh, my gosh, I, I want to, like, bask in the success that i've had like just a privately like is there something that you splurged on that you're like i want i've always wanted this and i'm just gonna splurge on it i haven't yet but i feel like yet? i need what? to Come i on, know girl. well i'm talking to you because you are like the king of splurge i feel like like you you're like what? oh yeah vacation uh, we're, we're on the opposite end, so there's gotta be a middle ground you know it's funny my sister-in-law shout out yeah. to law here but um she's the same way but I learned so much from her because, you know, because of her and my brother-in-law, we, yeah. I've learned to save okay. more, way more than I ever have okay. in, the, like, in the years that I've known them. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot to learn. But there's also on the other side, you got to live. I always tell them, like, come on, you're not going to get buried no. with all this money. <laughs> you you got to so spend I, it. I take that, I, I've taken those nuggets from you. So, like, I think I told you how, like, we went to this dude ranch in Montana that was just, like, that sounds an yes. obscene. Scene, I would never pay that much in, on like a nightly rate, but you inspired me to do okay. it. Cause I, so I, you know, definitely shout out to you on that. Okay. Um, and then my only other splurge is actually, it's such a boring splurge, but like, <laughs> you know, some people like to collect like handbags or shoes or whatever, but like, I love to collect rental houses. Okay. So like, <laughs> well, there you go. So well, I, your splurge is, has to be like the best business move of all time. So, so. And like, that just gives me such accomplishment. Like when I can yeah. wire in my down payment yes. on a new like rental property yes. like yes. that is just the best feel like i have no regrets about yes. spending those funds ever so nicole wins drop the mic walk away <laughs> <laughs> okay good that's that's a good answer um now uh we're gonna get into some of the lighter questions how do you decompress after a long day or how do you turn the switch off because i know that's so hard in our business how do you like stop being nicole Kazi realtor to the you know to the masses and now just being nicole at home yeah. I mean, no, at home, it's just like super low key. I mean, our average. So my average like decompression is like after dinner and after like kind of kids are off to bed. Like I actually I have a hot tub in my backyard. So mm-hmm. I go like I'll either have like an audiobook or like my Kindle. I'll pour myself a glass of wine and I'm off to the hot tub there for an go. hour. And so that's like my daily decompression. For Pro sure. tip, find a way to decompress because <laughs> you're sure. going to hit it hard the next day. So. And I think, too, like one of the things that I've always talked about um, 
that I, I know you expressed like surprise before, but my phone, I leave it on mute. And so like yeah. no one will ever interrupt it's me. That's to me. That's in, unbelievable. But I, no gotta, one, I gotta learn that from you. Yeah, no one will ever interrupt me in the middle of dinner. No one ever wakes me up in the middle of night. Like I don't get a two AM phone call because I'm sleeping, wow. right? You know, wow. like I, I don't hear it. Um I just I've really, re- like, I think responsive, and it's funny because it feels counterintuitive. Like, oh, my, you know, number one rule is, like, be accessible and responsive. But then, like, just because my phone's on mute, I don't want it to distract me or take away or, like, interrupt my meeting and, like, make my client feel that, like, oh, I kind of have, like, you know, wandering oh, sure. eyes to No, my- no, I, I'm with you on meetings. Like, when I'm in meetings, I'm good about me- not yeah. getting another call in a meeting. Sure. But it's all the other times. But I think what I'm learning is limits. Like whatever that may be for you, but you set limits. Well, I just feel to me the phone is so distracting. Mm -hmm. And it's like if I hear a little like ping, but then I check and I'm like, oh, it's just an email notification. Like it wasn't worth derailing my current like thought process or my my chain of thought to like just for an email. So what I really learned is like eliminate the distraction. can I speak distractions? <laughs> okay. And to me, that's just, yeah, silencing. My, so it's not even like my phone's not on vibrate. Like it's just literally like mute. It rings or sends its notifications with like, I'm completely unaware until I get to like a good stopping point where I feel I've conquered the task at hand and I can check in. And if I have a missed call and someone didn't leave a message, I mean, historically, I wouldn't call those back because I'm like, oh, if they're not, you know, going to take really? the, oh, the. You're brave on a whole nother No, but low. now I do. Now oh, I do. Okay. So <laughs> so if I um, see that they didn't, now I'll just like, oh, hey, you know, I was in a meeting or I was, you know, away from my phone. I saw I missed your call. Like, can I help you? And I have found like there's business there. Like, yeah, yes. the, you know, I've so. missed listing calls before. Yeah. Or no, here's the worst. My worst. Here's my horror story. I got, um, I, you know, so, you know, they leave a voicemail. If you yeah. don't check your voicemails all the time, they'll sum up. I, I had gone the whole day or even two days without checking my voicemails. Ooh. And that was it was a call to list. Oh. And I didn't call back. And they left a message and, like, hey, we want to yes. list our house. And they said, yeah, hi, I'm calling <laughs> thinking about selling my house. We'd love to meet with you, blah, blah, <laughs> And I didn't check it. And I and I think I said just two days. But no, no, I think it was longer than that. I think you were on vacation. I, something happened. But, you know, I, I'm usually working. Like, I'll answer to some degree on vacation, like in the morning and at night. For some reason, though, this story is ringing a bell to me. And I yeah. think this happened a few years ago. And you were on a cruise or something. And then you you came back to the I, voicemail. Maybe. But, yeah, something like okay. that. But I, it felt like crap because I was like... Like, dang, this vacation just cost me like <laughs> 20 times more than I spent on it. But then and, did you you get it? Like, did uh, you? No, no, I didn't get it. No, oh, no, they had already done, moved they already, on. They had already moved on. I mean, Yeah, but then, I don't know. Sure, there's an opportunity cost, but at the end of the day, I don't think it should make you like regret that you're living no, your life. For no, your, not you at know? all. Well, that's the like, only thing I compliment myself on. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I'm a mess in a lot of things. No, but you're not. I, no, no, I am. But when it comes to like, hey. I'm going on vacation. I don't ask questions. I don't look at my uh, pipeline. I don't look at my current escrows. I'm like, oh, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm like, I want to go there. And I'll just freaking go. And I'll That's make do and I'll, 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 and, and it's always worked out. I don't think I can recall losing a client because I was on vacation that I already had. Okay. Like I just said the story. That's right. one that I didn't have. So a have. new business. N- yeah. yeah. Current business, I don't think I've ever lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to like 
strategize so I don't tell everybody I'm leaving. <laughs> but I'm always in communication. Yeah. I always leave things prepared. Yep. So I think I do my best to do what I could. Yep. But I mean, hey, three times a year, four times a year, five times, well, maybe you need six that. times a year. <laughs> oh, when, when, as much as I can possibly go, yeah. because we work so long. Yeah. We work so, and time flies so fast. So I, I feel like that's the only thing I'm like, okay, Omar will go on a freaking vacation. No, but I, and I'm taking that tidbit from you. Like, that's where I feel like I've learned to, like, you know, enjoy it more and yeah like the reality is hitting me in my face like my kids are you know yeah. like only under my roof for so many more years yes. and like or like voluntarily wanting to spend time with me yeah. for only so many years and so yeah. it's like let's go make memories and yes. so you've inspired me on that part oh, for appreciate sure it. thank you yeah and you well you've inspired me i, I could go on uh, you should have a podcast <laughs> of how you've inspired me you're gonna, you're gonna come around and interview me i'll tell you but um so one of the last questions before we go into our lightning round will be um let's see how how do you measure success in the, how do you measure your success in this business do you feel like you've made it or do you still feel like there's a next level for you i mean it's complicated because i feel um there's I'm just like scratching the surface. Like, you know, you look at other teams where like they are, you know, the well, so agents. You said teams. Though. I know. We're talking indiv- oh, so as an individual, I'm actually like, I'm super proud of like the growth that I've had. And I feel like I'm at capacity. Like I do, if I wanted to grow further, I would have to build out more infrastructure and I would need more help. And I just feel like I'm in a great place right now where like the support and the admin and the help that I have right now is like, optimal like great people really responsive like we run everything is on a system and like it works really well and so I think maybe I just have a little bit of a uh, resistance to like growing as an individual agent because I know I would have to expand the infrastructure side and then that part makes me uneasy Um, but not to say I won't do it like I I am ambitious but um, I'm also a chicken on the other end. And okay. so it's like, I'm trying to like find that, you know, toggle of like, okay. I don't feel that I've made it by any means. Like I know that there's sky's the limit. Like okay. I could do so much more, but do I want to take the next steps to do what I would have to do to make that much more business yeah. happen? It scares me. Yeah, no, no I'm, <laughs> I'm totally with you. But you know, the takeaway for me is that, you know, you, you actually, you know, you're totally aware of all these things as they're happening. Yeah. So to me, that that's a big thing. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm like, I don't want to say comfortable because I feel like when you're comfortable, you die. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you grow or die, right? Yeah, like, isn't yeah. that the thing? So I wouldn't say I'm comfortable, but I have ambitions for more. I just need to figure out: is it going to be more in the current context of like growing my real estate sales or is it going to be more maybe like on the investment side like I have a lot of ambition with like the rentals I've been able to purchase and like just kind of growing like wealth and like learning more on that path and that side really interests me so I I've been like reading up more and doing some more study like on the investing side so I I definitely want to make a change somewhere I just have to decide like is it on my real estate business side or is it on my real estate investing side okay well, the, and the takeaway is always thinking that there's room to improve. Things there's can always, get better. Always, that's, yeah. That's the takeaway. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. And uh, let's see. I think I have one more. So you've been in this business a long time. How do you see today's market? And what advice would you give a realtor to succeed in the current marketplace? Because I think we've talked, we, we're experiencing, you know, maybe not defined yet, but like it feels a certain way. Mm-hmm. What yeah. do you think? No, I agree. I mean, real estate is like cyclical, right? So you're Mm -hmm. always going to have growth. You're always going to have plateau. You're going to have like a part that recedes. Um, And so you just got to figure out like 
where are we on that market cycle? And then what is the best business move like in that cycle? And, you know, it feels like to me right now, like we've plateaued and we're starting on that um, kind of downslide part Mm -hmm. of things a little bit. And um, what I, I've only experienced this. I mean, I saw this for sure, like, you know, 2008 to, I mean, it wasn't 2012 until we hit the inflection point where things went back up again. But I think people also like have really short term memories and they forget like, 2015, end of 2015 was not great. Like we were down a little bit then. Uh, 2017, I remember looking at some sales data of my own like a couple weeks ago and seeing like price reductions and stuff or like selling, like the closing price was like maybe 10 or 15K under the asking price. And then end of 2018, like immediately pops to mind. Like, so my takeaway is that these receding opportunities, like if that's truly where this market's going, I don't want to call it that yet because I felt like this was going to happen like at the end of 2019. I've been thinking about two years. Okay. You think just when you think and then, Oh no, no. And then yeah, another 20% up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I'm not calling it by any means, but I really look for the dips because that's the opportunity where an agent who is underprepared or like just doesn't have the proper systems in place, they're going to, shed from the market and they're going to furlough and what that does is that creates like more room for others to grow and so as um that's really like i look for those opportunities to like increase my ad spend like expand my farm sizes um you know try to get more brand awareness out into the marketplace because the the downtimes are temporary but it's like that's when you're getting people's attention because they're craving like news about real estate so it's like if you're sending you're doubling down when everybody's going to start to totally away totally okay and that's so you know if you're a new agent like or you know just trying to get your business to the next level it's like look for those it it feels scary like it feels so scary it's like you got to have the confidence to like spend when it feels like the world is ending but it works out it's a business cycle so it's like just really learn the cycles and you can't ever time it you're never going to get it perfect but you know just when you have that feeling that like there's a lot of fear in the marketplace that's when you want to go in and Mm. and be greedy okay when you smell the blood in the water the sharks are come gotcha gotcha i guess okay you could put it that way well nicole that's that's the you know the serious part of the interview i I have a few just lightning round questions okay just to get to know you see what your knee-jerk reaction answers oh, are <laughs> so so here we go I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna get this thing started right here all right nicole are you ready <laughs> you ready all right so nicole you're gonna answer just off the cuff whatever okay. comes up to mind this is editable right <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i don't know we'll see well maybe, maybe all right ready yep high school celebrity crush oh um the Brian from the Backstreet Boys. Oh, and, and it was a Brian. So Brian, you know, I know. There. Oh, hey, yeah. There you go. You married a Brian. <laughs> I there did. Okay, Brian for the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Cold calling or door knocking? Neither. Dropping. Door dropping. Door dropping. No, you got to pick one. It's uh, one of your, if you had. To I do would it. knock. I guess. Uh, okay. Yeah. And I'd run away <laughs> before they answer the door. I'm like, hey, I knocked. <laughs> Dream vacation spot. Like, Bora Bora, like. Tiki Hut on the beach. You're like, imagining I mean, on the ocean. There. Yeah, like one of those like ocean bungalows. I want you to book that this week. At I some want point. to go. Just put it on the calendar okay. and freaking go. Okay. Just freaking go. Okay. Put it on the calendar. Just go. Kay. Go. <laughs> All right. Uh, shots or wine? I know the answer. Wine. Yes. <laughs> I, know, I knew the answer. Uh, going to a party or a long night of sleep? Long night of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such an introvert. I yeah, can't yeah. like, oh, hey. crowds make me nervous. <laughs> Kardashians or Desperate Housewives? 
Oh, Desperate Housewives. I love Desperate Housewives. Yeah. It's like my guilty pleasure. Oh I don't know gosh. why, because it's such a silly show, but like, it's, I just... It's like, it's she porn. I know. No, no, no. It's like a train wreck watching, <laughs> yes, right? Like, it it's is, just it like, is. let me grab the popcorn. Like, what ridiculousness is going on? Okay, okay. Uh, guilty pleasure, whether it's food, music, activity. Oh, food. Big foodie. Like, okay. yeah, I'll eat wherever, whatever. <laughs> like, I just, I love the restaurant experience and like the food experience. Like, okay. yep. Okay. Uh, a chore you hate. Oh, I mean, cleaning for sure. Um, but like specific chore, man. I used to hate vacuuming. My parents would make me oh. vacuum. That was literally the one I hated to do the most. Okay. I, I don't know why. I definitely didn't like it. And I was such a bad kid. Like, I don't, and in hindsight, so stupid. My parents would put like vacuuming on my chore list. Uh. And so I'd grab the vacuum just to like make the lines in the carpet, but I never plugged it in. But then I was like, <laughs> just make the what? Lines. So it's like they, when they looked at it, it looked done. Yeah, but okay. it's like, I basically did it. Like, why not just plug why it not in? Why not just plug it in? Because you didn't so want to have silly. to unplug it and plug it in every, every couple of feet. Oh my God. That was like, yeah, that's teenage so, Nicole. That's so <laughs> uh, favorite restaurant? Ooh, um, probably House of Prime Rib in um, San Francisco. Okay, I think so. Okay, nice. Or Rutherford Grill, like the, the and it's like Los Altos Grill, the Hillsong Group. Like they've got this amazing steak called the Hawaiian. It's okay. like marinated in pineapple juice. <gasps> it's like um. Where is this again? Uh, there's one in Los Altos, or you can go to the Rutherford. What's Grill. What's in? Oh, it's a Rutherford Grill. Yeah. I love pineapple on my burgers. Oh my god. So I mean, the thought of a steak with pineapple. It is like incredible. Like Grill. last Rutherford meal Gill, Rutherford, on earth. Rutherford, Rutherford Grill. Rutherford Grill. Or go to Los Altos Grill. It's closer. I mean, okay. I, they're both. I mean, they're both what like hour away but okay. Los Altos is closer get the Hawaiian oh you will God. die and go I, to heaven that's on the checklist right now do okay. it okay 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 last favorite ball drill chair oh <laughs> <laughs> is there any question I mean come on Omar <laughs> Nicole a good friend Nicole thank you so much thank I you. really appreciate you being on our on our fun. podcast Thank you. Nicole, you're amazing. You know, I look up to you in so many ways. I really appreciate you. Likewise. I really no, do. No, you inspire you. me in so many ways. So I, thanks I for having a, me I picked on. a really good business partner. You're amazing. I, thank I, you. Thanks. So, guys, thank you guys for joining us. And uh, we are uh, calling it quits here today on our on our episode. Hope you guys took something away. And we look forward to seeing you on future podcasts. Thank you, guys. And have a good night. 